Getting you set for the Broncos preseason opener with the Cardinals tonight. Here's the Players Club. Take them away downtown. Walking fast. Faces passing and homebound. Stand like we had. Just making the way. Making the way through the crowd. And I need you, and I miss you, and now I wonder if I could fall into the sky. Do you think Come on, when Denver needs you, oh? You know People have been waiting all week to get their fix. You gotta give them what they want, oh? Come on. Tonight. I messed up. I messed up. Just absolutely messed Wait, up. The headphones. There we go. Come on. I'm going to have to get Johnny start this over, man. I got nothing for you. Oh, headsets is loud. Mark messed up, guys. It's not on me. We have ruined finger people's else. weekend because they didn't get a chance to hear you sing Vanessa Carlton. Yeah. Now, in your defense, you and Mark were discussing coaching with Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. youth football, and the uh, pleasure and joy that that is. Yeah, the little things, right? The simple things. The the being able to hang out with the the younger generation and teach them a little bit about that football. It's unbelievable, in my opinion. I mean, just that age, seeing the love for it. I think you could. You've played football for a really, really long time. When did you start playing football, Chad? I started playing flag football when I was six. I started playing tackle football when I was nine. At some point, did you, like, hey, I I love this. I don't no longer like this. Do you remember when it kind of clicked for you? Uh, Just uh, a little housekeeping. This is the Players Club. That's Orlando Franklin. I'm Chad Brown. Nate Jackson is out for today, so Owen and I will be rolling with you the next two hours. Uh, when did football turn from a like to a love? Probably uh, halfway through that first year of tackle football. I was like, this is awesome. I get to run to people full speed. It is encouraged. This is great. All my friends are out here. Um, the shy kid that I was, now I get a chance to put on a helmet and be like a, an alter ego version of myself. I don't have to worry about... Uh, talking or stuttering or any of those things. I just get to play, mm. and I was good. And I was willing to work really hard and hit people really hard. So, yeah, halfway through that first-year tackle football when I was nine years old, I was like, oh, yeah, this is on. Mm. I love this. You know, very similar for me. I was a kid that wore thick glasses and would stutter a lot and almost, you know, was the always the tallest kid in the class and would kind of shy away and be in the background and didn't really want to be seen. But about halfway through my first year playing football as well, I realized that it didn't matter about how I looked. It didn't matter that I wore glasses. It's all about can you play? Can you go out there and make a play? And I realized as well, once you made a play, what came with it, right? The celebration, the team's like, ooh, and ah, and then, you know, parents even coming up after a game, good game, you know, and, and for me, it was like, it 
fed into my alter ego at a very young age where I was this shy kid and wanted to kind of disappear and I didn't want people to see me. They didn't have the nicest clothes and things like that. When you got on that football field, we all look alike. And then I was just able to kind of use that and fuel that. So it, it I, that's an interesting question. I would, I'm going to start asking, like, I want to ask Nate that, like, when did that love start kicking in? Because I think it's so important in the game of football. And then you realize, I don't know if you saw the Menzel um, documentary. Uh, it's on my, uh, obviously I watched it on Netflix. I have not watched it just yet, though. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I got a question if, the, if Johnny Menzel ever loved football. I know he loved what came after football and after winning, but do you actually love football and are you a student of the game? That's what we're going to realize tonight. Some guys are just have the pure love for the game and some people are students of the game and some people just get by by athletic ability. I think rookies find that out tonight in preseason one. Yeah, yeah. This is a, this is a moment in a lot of these players' lives and everyone's in a different moment. Some guys are just trying to polish up their craft to get ready for the regular season. Some guys are hoping to find a way to step up their game so they can increase their opportunities. Uh, there's other guys who are literally just going to be scratching and clawing to keep their football dream going. We will see all of that over the next couple of weeks. Uh, the Broncos take on the Arizona Cardinals tonight in Arizona. Uh, looking forward to diving in and checking that out. The first game of the Sean Payton era. Uh, maybe the first game of the Russell Wilson uh, Reclamation of the Past Tour. Uh, there's a lot of things that uh, we've been talking about now for months and months and months that will start to unveil themselves starting tonight in in Arizona. Uh, just to get things going, oh, what, when you're watching tonight, will you be looking for? Just the order of operation. You know, I, I want to see, you know, Sean Payton talks about the Broncos and the pre-snap penalties last year. It should look different. We should see that play getting sent in with a lot of time. How quick does this offense get up to the line of scrimmage? And all listeners out there, check it out for yourself. Because at 15 seconds left in the play clock, that's when the communication is shut off from the head coach or offensive play caller to whoever he's calling the play in. So I'll be watching that, Chad. I'll be watching the discipline aspect of it as well. And that's the pre-snap penalties. And we know the Broncos have struggled with that out there at training camp a little bit. But so for me, that's really all in preseason one. Yeah, there will be guys that make plays and all these different things. But for me, the top two things is how Sean Payton is operating, getting to play into all of these quarterbacks. And also, do you finish, you know, with less penalties than the Arizona Cardinals? Okay, so you're just looking for some clean football. Yeah. Uh, win? Matter to you? Is win important? No. It does not matter at all. I've seen teams that, oh my goodness gracious, this team is undefeated in the preseason. And then what happens? Does it transition to wins on Sunday? Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Um, for me, it's not important, but I, I do anticipate the Broncos winning against the, the Arizona Cardinals tonight. Yeah, the, in my in my mind, the win is not important. Um, obviously, you want to get a chance to see all three quarterbacks. You want to see some of these younger guys. Uh, where are they relative to where they were last year when the season ended? There's all of that. But the win is less important to me than, uh, to your point, I'd like to see a clean operation from a coaching standpoint. That would indicate that Sean Payton uh, and the details that we assume he's going to operate under is that's actually going to be the case. And then uh, I want to see some rhythm, particularly from the first string offense. 
some kind of rhythm. I don't want to see, uh, they're talking about 15 to 18 plays. I don't want to see six, three and outs. Mm. That means you had six, you know, six drives, you got your 18 plays in, but you didn't even convert one single first down. I, I want to see some rhythm, a sustained drive of some sort. Uh, you, you know, it doesn't have to be one 18 play drive, two nine play drives are cool for me. Do you think Sean Payton would keep that offense out there? If, like three and out, go all back up, three and out. Go back up, three and out. At that point, you're just like, hey, the heck with this. And you got to go in a different direction, right? I would I would hope he would keep it going. I would think so. Really? Yeah. Okay. Just to get the 18 plays in to see if they can work their way out of it. Why not give them out? We talked about it all the time during Michael Malone and, and the Nuggets season. You know, Michael Malone's not calling timeouts. He's going to let them work their way out of it. And considering while the preseason matters, it doesn't count. This is the opportunity to give Russell Wilson that first string offense an opportunity to work their way out of that. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. Um, you could be of the mindset of that, or you could also be of the mindset of Sean Payton might be like, man, this just looks so bad. What the heck's going on right now? Let me go in a different direction. Hopefully they are able to work the kinks out. Hopefully there is no, uh, like, if the Broncos go out there today and they struggle against this Arizona Cardinals defense, probably in a, a little bit of trouble, I, I would say. Uh, well, no, it, it, you know, but not every coach adheres to the preseason plan. Some coaches in the preseason want to put blitzes in and all that stuff. So if Arizona comes out with a game plan versus Sean Payton just trying to execute the offense, they could make a splash and look good against this Broncos offense because the Broncos haven't prepared for that. So there's some context to even things like that. But when we come back, oh, you are the perfect person for this. Uh, the Broncos offensive line, we've talked about some of their struggles during training camp. Where does the strength of this line lie? Is it in the interior or is it the tackles? We'll hear from O on that next. Welcome back into the Players Club. We are hoping some of these Broncos let their hair down tonight and have a wonderful game tonight, but uh, hard to have a wonderful football game without your offensive line operating at a high level. Oh, And you have been to a number of practices during training camp and seen this offensive line's struggles. Um, now with Bowles coming back from injury, uh, McGlinchey now being out at least for all of the preseason, that's already kind of thrown a wrench into the well-crafted plans of George Payton and Sean Payton during the offseason. Mm-hmm. McGlinchey was literally the top priority free agent in the Broncos signing. Got almost a $90 million deal. Um, so that, that certainly it certainly indicates a lot of uh, confidence in this guy. Uh, you bring in Ben Powers, one of the better run-blocking guards from the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Manhurts, um, I'm sorry, Miners has emerged as, as a guy that, at least from a pro football focus, they are very excited about his possibilities. So when you look at this offensive line, are you looking at the tackles, the outside guys uh, with Bowles and McGlinchey, uh, I guess now with uh, Isaiah Prince and Cam Fleming uh, in the mix as well with uh, McGlinchey being out. Is that the strength or is the inside the offensive line miners, powers, cushionberry the strength? Um, right now, today, I, I think the tackles are the strength, even with Mike McGlinchey being hurt. I, I like Isaiah Prince's game. I, there's no secret about it. I think this young man is talented. I think there's a, a physicality that he brings to that position that I absolutely love. But I've watched this 
offense for the Broncos run right behind Isaiah Prince and right behind Quinn Miners. It didn't matter that Mike McGlinchey wasn't out there. They didn't start saying, hey, we got to run behind Garrett Bowles and Ben Powers and we got to go to the left. We could still, you know, go to the right side with this young man. So I think tonight um, the tackles are going to have success. It's going to jump out there on film. You know, you got the experience of Garrett Bowles out there as well. Um, the interior, those guys are going to have to work on still their fit. And, you know, Cush is, how is Ben Powers hitting it? And make sure to leave him some on this block and on, you know, when we're running wide zone, how quick is Quinn Miners going to leave the three technique and go to that inside linebacker? And does Cush get his hips over there and, and keep the three technique on the line of scrimmage? So I think there's a lot more to be figured out on the interior where the, you know, the outside guys, as far as the tackles, you're usually mano to mano in the run game against that that edge rusher or that defensive end. And if you do have a tight end, you know, I, I think the tight end quickly leaves tonight. I don't think that you're going to put in this extensive, elaborate game plan where you're looking at your tight end saying, hey, you got to put your hand in the dirt and go block this guy 15 times. So because of how vanilla the plays will be, I think the tackles will clearly show they're a little bit further ahead in the interior of this offensive line. All right. Uh, now, we we talked about you know the free agents of Powers and McGlinchey, the emergence of Miners, uh, the return of Bowles, uh, but for Cush, when you look at Cush, this is now what year three for him? Year four. Year four. four. There yeah. we go. Year four, four for him. Um, and while he came in and started as a rookie, the expectation was that his game would continue to grow as time went along, um, and we haven't seen the growth that we would have expected. You know, at, at the End of each offseason, heading to training camp. Oh, he spent time in the weight room. He's gained more power. Well, during the season, still getting knocked back. Uh, he's got more experience now. He's uh, seen a lot more things. He'll be able to uh, handle pressure better. Well, still getting taken advantage of in the blitz game. Where do you see his game at right now? I see that as just okay. You know, I, I still don't see the next step. I watched one-on-ones a couple of days ago and watched him and Quinn Miners. I don't think they won a one-on-one rep the day I was mm-hmm. at practice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's easy for a team to look at the center and say, this is the weak link and we're going to be able to expose them. Whether it's the blitzes from linebacker depth or just lining up and, and having change of direction. So I haven't seen him take that next step, but the guards can help that though, Chad. Mm-hmm. So hopefully with the experience of a guy like Ben Powers, it kind of takes your eyes off of all the flaws of, of Lloyd Cushenberry and he's able to kind of, you know, take a couple st- more steps in the right direction this year. Can a offensive line make up for a teammate who's not necessarily carrying his full shared load with some schematic things and help things without beginning to chip away at the continuity of the rest of the line. If you're constantly being asked schematically to make up for that, if you're a guard and you and the center are going to double team, and now you've got to, as a guard, give a little bit more on this double team because you're not confident the center is going to be able to take it before you go up to the second level up to the linebacker, at some point you're going to start missing the linebacker because you're doing too much. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's why you've got to be able to hold your own. But in the past game, you definitely could cover up for one person's flaws in the passing game as long as the team is not turning it into a blitz fest. So in the run game, it's it's hard. You, everybody's got to be able to hold their own, and, and you hope that you could get Kush to the second level as fast as possible because he should just win that mismatch, being that he weighs probably 80 pounds more than the inside linebacker. But it's also hard when 
it's a one technique. And now he has to control that block and he has to stay on it. So it becomes really, really hard in the run game to hide a person's flaws. But in the passing game, you're able to do it very easily Unless, like I say, a team turns into a blitz fest, but it's preseason. We don't expect a blitz fest for these first couple weeks of, of preseason. Offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi uh, gave his thoughts on the interior of the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, those two guards are really strong. I think they do a good job of just consistently winning the line of scrimmage and denting the line of scrimmage. You know, our, our inside runs, for the most part, there's a lot of room for the running backs in there. So just the strength that they have against smart guys. Just throwbacks, you know, that love football and are tough and are just in there every play. And, you know, the strength in the run game is obviously an asset. And then their ability to hold the line of scrimmage in the pass game and not get pushed back, you know, those are huge for us. So um, two guys we're really encouraged with. Take me inside that offensive line room. You know, as a linebacker, being a part of those linebacker rooms, there's kind of a personality and a expectation for each of the guys. Yeah. Are you the Sam linebacker? It means you're going to be tussling with the tight end all the time. You know, that guy has a certain personality. The, the true Mike linebacker is a certain way. The, the Will. Psychopath. Yeah, the Will linebacker, he's off the ball. He's a little skinnier. Yeah. He runs and runs around blocks. He's not quite as physical, but he's still part of the group. Uh, break this down to me because I, 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 in my mind, I think of tackles as a little bit more of the prima donnas of the offensive <laughs> line room. I think of the guards. As the tough guys, kind of the, the 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 bouncers of the offensive line room, and then the center because of you know some of the mental demands, is typically the smarter dude, and usually in real life a quieter guy yeah. who is more prone prone to be reading a book on the plane than a lot of other guys. Yeah. So is my stereotypes? Am I hitting them on? Am I correct there for the most part? Um, somewhat. Uh, I would look at your right tackle, your right guard. Those are kind of your bruisers. Those are the guys throwing them out the club, right? Mm-hmm. Bouncers, right? Uh, third and one. It's, come on. We, we know we're going to the right side. Let, let, let us go get this thing for you, coach. I think you're absolutely right on the center part. I, I haven't been on a football team where I haven't seen each and every center, like, kind of more to, inclined to be reading a book and, you know, throw the glasses on and just kind of hanging out more of a family man or, or whatever the case may be. Um, and I think a lot of that is just having to mature, being that second quarterback that's out there on the football field when you look at that center position. You know, your left guard is supposed to be a little bit more agile, supposed to be your, your puller, the guy that you want to get in space, right? So whether you're running your power O or you're running your trap plays or your G leads where he's getting out there in space and having the opportunity to light up a linebacker or a corner, and then your left tackle's got to be all world, right? That's got to be, you know, the, the mountain of a man and he protects the quarterback's blind side and he's going to get paid or well, just as long as he stays healthy, but he tends to be a little bit more quieter as well, in my opinion, and on the offensive lines that I've been on. All right. Uh, when O and I, uh, come back, we've got the, uh, morning mixtape. The Players Club welcomes you into the Morning Mixtape with a look at the biggest stories in Denver sports. Here's Orlando, Chad, and Nate. Yeah, um, just a guy that he's got good speed. I love how he plays hard every single play. You know, obviously he's a he's a, a good special teams player. So, you know, just a guy that's working, still learning the system, but uh, you know, guy that we've seen some encouraging things from for sure. That was uh, Joe Lombardi on Montreal, Washington. 
Uh, Montrose, a bit of a disappointment last year. Came in with a fun story and the backflips and all that, oh, and not a lot of production during the season. A few too many uh, balls slipped through his fingers on special teams, but seems to have been getting it together this year during training camp. Do you see Montrell making this club? Do you see him maybe passing up um, Marvin Mims in the return game? What, do you, what does this season look like for you with Montrell? I think that, honestly, Marvin Mims had kind of been put in that starting returner role kind of by default, Chad. Mm -hmm. You know, being the third wide receiver on this depth chart, when the Broncos go under 11 personnel and it's third and long and you know it's an obvious passing situation, Marvin Mims got the nod, largely because of Brandon Johnson getting hurt. So with that being said, you didn't want to keep Marvin Mims activated the whole entire game. So you just said, hey, you know, young fellow, here you go. Go out there and be a punt returner tonight. Go out there and get the first crack at kickoff return as well. I, I truly believe that Montreal Washington still has a opportunity to make this football team. Not only make it, he could go out there tonight and just grab that, you know, punt return and roll or that kickoff return and roll with a huge return. And understanding that I've learned from my mistakes, I'm not going to go out here and hurt the football team. So I know that it says Marvin Mims is, you know, punt returner one and, you know, specialist one, but I still think that that's a open competition and that won't be done really until you know the week right before you play against the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, we'll see it. You know what's going to happen tonight with when the lights are on. Not everybody can translate practice or training camp performance and bring it to the games. It's not a skill set that everybody has. This NFL has a way of weeding those people out. So we'll see if Montreal is able to take some promising practice because he had promising practices last year during training camp and wasn't able to bring that into the game action. We'll see what he can do tonight or in the rest of the course of the preseason. This whole wide receiver room is going to be really interesting because of the injury to Tim Patrick. Now Marvin Mims is listed as the number one third wide receiver. But we've seen guys like Taylor Grimes, who's listed fourth on the depth chart, run with the number ones. Brandon Johnson you know, has been running with the ones occasionally. So how this all fits and works, who becomes that Tim Patrick guy for blocking in the run game, there's only so many slots in the room that you can fill up with guys. It'll be a tough decision for Sean Payton and those uh, that wide receiver coach to pair this room down. Hit those keyboards, Johnny. All right, uh, we got uh, VJ talking about one of the edge guys we had some concerns about this offseason. Coop's had a hell of a camp. You know, if you want to talk about consistency every day, it's Coop. You know, as a dropper, as a rusher, as an edge setter, I mean, he is really consistent and probably one of our best guys right now. The edge group, we talked about it all offseason long. This was a group. We had all these doubts. It was all this concern. My concern was never about the ability. It was always about the availability. Mm. And even now, Brandon Barron, uh, Baron Brownie won't be back until probably halfway through the season. But we've seen Randy Gregory make practices, hasn't been injured. He's missed practice due to vet rest days, but he's been healthy. And when he's been out on the field, he's been really dynamic. Jonathan Cooper has been taking advantage of Baron Brownie's absence and I think really solidified himself as not just a guy who can rush the quarterback, but who can win on first and second down against tight ends and offensive tackles. Yeah, it's been awesome to see. Uh, you go out there and first, you're like, what the heck? Who the heck is wearing number zero? It, it feels weird, right? <laughs> it feels so weird. But there has been some consistency out of Jonathan Cooper, and, and he has made and taken fully advantage of every opportunity that he has had. Um, now it's about going to the into games and, and doing it. It's one thing to go against a guy that you might 
have his number. You might, you know, he knows your moves, you know his moves, but you might just be a little bit more athletic than him. Now, can you transition tonight when you don't know the snap count? It's a completely different quarterback's voice that you're going against, but now it's a completely different tackle. And, oh, by the way, you haven't really studied this person. So you're just going to get thrown out there tonight. So for me, it's let's see if Jonathan Cooper can pop off this screen with that number zero tonight when he's going against a new face. Um, it's easy. I, I truly believe that it's easy going against somebody day in and day out and, and learning somebody. And it's been musical chairs out there at the tackle position for the Broncos. Garrett Bowles has missed times. McGlinchey's out now. Isaiah Prince is looking good. So uh, Cam Fleming has de- taken some reps with the ones. And Jonathan Cooper has been consistent. But now he has to be consistent when the lights come on. He flashed last year after missing a big portion of the offseason with uh, the back injury kind of came into it all late, but then showed up and flashed really well in the preseason. So we'll see if he can pick up kind of where he left off uh, last year, given this much, much greater opportunity. Um, Nick Benito, uh, in watching practice, kind of came in on third down situations. Jonathan Cooper was off the field when Randy Gregory was available. Um, But I think that group will survive by rotating a number of guys. And as VJ has pointed out, this may be the best edge group he's had top to bottom in his career. Wow. Um, that is very interesting because Von Miller was here. Yeah. Bradley Chubb was here when VJ was here. So that is a very interesting statement. So we better get some sacks then, VJ, because you're the one that is claiming that this is kind of one of the better groups. So I, I'm right there with you, though, Chad. I think it has to be a strong rotation. If I'm Sean Payton, I'm going into this season, and I'm not asking Randy Gregory to go out there and play, you know, 80 or 90% of snaps. I'm starting this guy off and spending probably about 65 because I want to develop Jonathan Cooper. I want to develop Nick Benito as well. And, oh, you know, hopefully Baron Brown is able to get back out there as soon as possible. But when he gets out there, there's still some development that he has to do. You don't want to have to continue to pay guys. At some point, you have to get younger on your football team by just developing guys and having guys under rookie contracts. And that's where you're able to create your depth. That's where you're able now to really make it to the postseason and make some noise in the postseason, in my opinion. All right, Johnny, hit those turntables, not keyboards. My bad earlier. All right, we got uh, VJ again talking about Justin Simmons and his growth. Ain't the current player, his football IQ is so high. You know, I mean, he can coach the room right now. I mean, he's having a great camp, obviously, but it's, his IQ is super high. He's, he's actually fixed about three or four things for me in the last four days because I'm I'm being in the system, you know, it's certain calls that I wasn't used to those guys making last year and he explained it to me, we kind of came together and kind of, you know, made it right for both sides so he's done a good job helping me in the systems, so it's it's been special to watch his growth. Justin Simmons come a long way, uh, one of my high school teammates was his defensive backs coach, uh, Marcus Robertson, who's now coaching with the New Orleans Saints, was part of VJ staff, and when Marcus and I would get together, he would rave about Justin Simmons and his ability to be a slot corner sometimes, a nickel corner, uh, move to the safety spot. I think that cornerback stuff is not part of his role this year, but a tremendous versatility we've seen over Justin Simmons' career from an athletic standpoint. But to VJ's point with what he was just making, now the growth mentally to be able to sit a coach down and say, here, you know, these are some of the adjustments that Coach Evero did last year and explain them to VJ why they happened, how they were used. That just speaks to Justin Simmons as VJ was talking about football IQ. Um, and his command over the body of defense that they run. It's not just about him, right? right? Justin Simmons understands the whole entire defense. 
I'd say probably about 80% of the time when you're on a football field, guys that are out there only understand their job. 80% of guys will just, okay, you know, I'm the edge rusher. I got to keep contained right here. I'm the defensive tackle. I got the C gap and, you know, I got to, am I playing pad back? Am I playing gap control? Am I just getting in a a sprinter stance and and trying to knock the guard in the backfield and just be as disruptive as possible? But a lot of people don't understand that, okay, this is why I'm doing it because now the inside linebackers are fitting this way, and now the safeties are going to play this type of coverage behind this. So this is exactly why I have to do this. Sounds to me like Justin Simmons doesn't just understand his job. He knows everybody's job out there on the football field, which is amazing because that happens. That should happen with time, in my opinion. Chad, you played a decade and a half in this league. At what point for you did you just stop looking at, oh, I'm just a, what, just what the edge rusher does and now knowing the entire defense and what they were doing around you as well? It took a while. As I've talked about many times in Seattle, I had eight, six different coordinators in, in eight seasons. Mm-hmm. So because of that constant turnover, I never got to that point. Now, there's been new coaches for Justin Simmons in this defense, but they've been running the Vance Joseph, Vic Fangio, Coach Evero defense for a couple years now. So this defense, while there's been tremendous turnover on the entire coaching staff, the system has remained the same. There's been some, you know, terminology differences and things like that. But that thing has allowed Justin Simmons to begin to, I, I called it when I was coaching, you want to widen the scope. When you're a rookie, the scope is very narrow. What's my job yeah. on this particular play? Then you begin to figure out what the guy next to you on either side is doing and how when I do my job, that affects him. Or if I don't do my job, that affects him. But when you're Justin Simmons, you're playing safety, you've got to look at it all because there are sometimes you're going to be asked to come down and fill an A or B gap or a C gap. So now you've got to know what the defensive line does. Sometimes those linebackers will do some kind of exchange thing, and then you're sliding in there into one taking one of those gaps. Maybe a linebacker is going to be on the blitz, and now you're going to rob down low. So you got to understand what the linebacker drops are. Obviously, you know what the defensive backs are doing, depending on man, zone, cover two, cover three, cover four, whatever the case may be. So Justin Simmons continued football IQ and his growth of the mental part of football allows him to see the bigger picture, pull the entire scope back, and then in turn have conversations with his coordinator about how things are supposed to be run. Mm. You think VJ knew back when Justin was a, a rookie in this league that he had the capability of understanding the whole entire defense? Do you, do you think like he was like, okay, I could see, you know, how this guy's going to evolve and he's going to be able to understand what all 11 guys do, not just what the defensive backs are doing. According to, uh, my, again, my conversations with Marcus Robertson, Mark Robb, as we call him, uh, who was secondary coach for the Broncos under VJ, uh, he, he's, he got Justin Simmons, like this guy from Boston College is smart. He's got great football IQ. He's got great football passion. And he is so athletic, I can line him up anywhere in the secondary and get a winning performance out of him. He's going to be a Pro Bowl All-Pro safety, but I can put him anywhere, and he's going to be useful for me. So this was back early in Justin Simmons' career, and he's got nothing but prove that to be true. Uh, when Owen and I come back, there's been one name that's uh, been talked about all at camp, but it's a position that's tough to evaluate during practice. Will this guy blow up tonight? We'll say who this is and what we expect from him next. Getting you set for the Broncos preseason opener with the Cardinals tonight. Here's the Players Club. Now 
as Orlando's bobbing his head to a little Destiny's Child. Donnie Fever went back into... I wasn't expecting this one on the Guilty Pleasure Friday. Yeah. This was a, a little out of the box. Rough choice. week, Johnny? You survived the week, huh? Rough week? Oh, nothing wrong with a little Beyonce. Uh, absolutely, there's nothing wrong. Now, I don't know if you know this, Oh, I've got four green tree pythons, um, three females and one male, and uh, it is Jay-Z and Destiny's Child, as they are named after the members of Destiny's Child. Really? That's awesome. The prettiest one is Beyonce. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then Kelly and Michelle. Yeah. And the male is Jay-Z. Nice. And uh, Jay-Z has uh, impregnated... All of the members of Destiny's Child, as far as my Green Tree Pythons go. Ooh, ooh Jay-Z, uh, is fast, huh? He's over there hanging out. Jay-Z gets it done. Jay-Z yes, gets sir. it done. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a nice uh, group of uh, Green Tree Pythons. Um, we've talked about this running back position because of the injuries to... Uh, what am I thinking? What's his... There we go. Javante Williams. For some reason, too many Jaleels, Javantes, too many of the J's in my head here. So for Javante Williams, we talked about the running back room in, in relation to him coming back from injury. But training camp is a difficult time to, I think, in my opinion, to truly evaluate running backs because there's no tackling to the ground. It, everyone's just kind of thudding up. And with the rotation at the offensive line group, can this guy really be explosive? Is he? Does he have what it takes? Well, a number of Folks on the fan have talked about this guy, uh, Jaleel McLaughlin, and here's Joe Lombardi talking about him. First of all, they've got really good vision. I mean, you know, I think you guys have probably seen it. Jaleel seems to break a big run at least once a day. I mean, so he's got really good vision, sets up his blocks really well. Same same way with Tyler. I've been encouraged with them in the passing game. You know, they both run pretty good routes and, and catch the ball well. So hopefully we can keep developing that. But just two really smart players that work really hard and um, been good in the run game and good in the pass game. Be good to see the, in the preseason games, you know, with some live rushes come, how they do in protection. So, you know, that'll give us a more complete uh, look at them. What have you seen from Jaleel, and does your eyeball experience at practice match with what Coach Lombardi was talking about there? Yeah, I think he's a young, you know, explosive football player, and, and I like the patience aspect. So many times you'll see a lot of these guys make it from uh, leaving college, get into the NFL, and all of a sudden they think that they can outrun everybody. You know, I'm going to bounce it. There's nothing up in the middle for me, so I'm going to bounce it. I'm going to be able to turn that edge. This is not college football anymore. You got some linebackers that are 4-4, four, 4-5 four, four, guys. They understand angles a little bit better, and, and they're coming downhill, and they're absolutely bringing it. And so you, you don't catch linebackers and DBs off guard like you would in college, where you could fool a, a guy and, you know, capture their eyes, and now they're a step behind. So for me, when I look at these younger running backs, is do you have the patience to, you know, press it and read it out one gap at a time? Am I looking at, you know, the A gap to the B gap to the C gap? And, you know, maybe at that point I might bounce it, but maybe I might cut it back. Because a lot of people don't understand, Chad, when you look at just football plays, like power right? Power two double teams with guard and tackle. You got your fullback. He's going to isolate on the front side backer. And then you got the guard on the backside and he's pulling. And he's going to go up in the middle and get the middle linebacker as well. Everybody thinks that, okay, 
there's so much power. There's so much meat going to that right side, right? Because you had that double team. Like I said, you had that pulling guard. You had the fullback leading up there. But if you have a smart back, a lot of power plays, it's the backside A gap. That's the cut. That's the cut that turns into an explosive play. That turns into that 20-yard gain where it's not just, let me just go get these three yards or four yards and just make it as bloody as possible up in there. So for me, when you get a, a running back, you got to watch how patient these guys can be. And, you know, are they just me guys or are they team guys? I really think that you could understand the style of run as well. Where, hey, me, I'm just going to bounce this thing out to the outside and I'm going to get turn this thing into a foot race every single time. And you look at also, for me, the, the last outlier is, is he an NFL running back or not? Does he find two defenders and try to split those two? Um, is he always falling forward? Is he always, you know, moving those legs in a pile where it's the expectation is that he's going to break that tackle or does he tense up when he thinks he's going to meet that contact? I've seen all these running backs out there. Obviously, Javante Williams, when healthy, does it the best. But for me, the next guy, just when you talk about Tyler Batty and Jaleel McLaughlin, I think Jaleel McLaughlin could really be a star in this league because I've seen some of these traits. And seeing them when you're playing thud and you're not tackling is very encouraging because when you're tackling now, hopefully that guy understands that he could break through those arm tackles. He could keep the chains moving because of his vision, but also his legs. All right, so it's a little, uh, get some details here, unless you are been listening to Mason Cecil. Um, this is the first time we've talked about Jaleel on, on this show. Uh, but he set an NCAA record with 8,155 yards in, uh, in two, a couple seasons between a Division II Notre Dame. So not Notre Dame, the big Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame in Ohio, a Division II uh, school where he rushed for 2,400 uh, yards. Uh, to start in the first two seasons. Then he transferred to Youngstown State and rushed for 3,400 yards in three years. So finishing his career with 8,155 yards. 442 is his uh, 40 speed. That's what caught the attention of the NFL teams. 5'7", 187. So not the biggest of running backs. Um, but I played against uh, plenty of running backs who were smaller, who were quite dynamic, and their size was definitely not a detriment to them making a roster and being an effective part of the offense. So during camp, again, as we as we open the segment talking about, it, it's difficult to evaluate the running backs because of the lack of tackling. Now we'll get a chance to see this guy's in some real live action out there. Is this smaller size going to be an issue? Is he going to go down with arm tackles? Does he have the ability to break those tackles? Does he have the patience that you were talking about? Does he understand the scheme and how to maximize his fit to this scheme? Yeah. Um, honestly, you, you really don't get that sense of feel in training camp. So we're going to start being able to understand these things about Julian McLaughlin tonight when you do put the pads on. You do know it's full speed live. You are going to be tackled. It's hard to you know, talk about a smaller guy and say, yeah, you know what? He's going to be able to, you know, accelerate through contact when every practice that that young man has went to so far, he knows that the, at the most he's going to get is a thud. He, he's not going to get anybody trying to run through him. We're going to take care of our teammates and get to the game. So I think tonight is the first time you got to trust your eyes on some of these running backs. But for me, Chad, I, I think he can do that. He doesn't look like there's a, any hesitation. There doesn't look like there's any fear. And, you know, he's got to going to have to figure out how to protect himself. When you weigh less than 190 and that's what you're 
listed at in the training camp, you know it's going to be hard to keep that weight on throughout the long grind of a season. So hopefully he already has figured out certain things to, to be able to maintain his weight. But when you get some opportunities, you, you might need to kind of just kind of high point that thing where you're trying to edge it and trying to get out of bounds. And it's not really about, you know, trying to lower your shoulder or make a play because your body might hold, not hold up at this level. Guy that size, my, my biggest concern would be, can he be useful on third down? Can he actually protect the quarterback? Um, you're going to be asked to pass block as a running back in this league. Um, the smaller you are, the more difficult it is. Um, so you've got to find a way to somehow turn up your, you know, your, your power ranger inside of you, make yourself play bigger than you are. Because as, if I'm, if I'm seeing a guy who's 5'7", 190 as a third down back, as soon as I get to the sideline, coach, we got to blitz this guy. Yeah. We got to see what he's got. We got to see what he's got in pass protection. Please give me one on one with this dude so I can run through his face and see what he's got. Has there ever been times where you, the coach given, given your defense the ability to kind of check into a blitz versus certain situations and versus certain personnel in your career? Oh, certainly with the Steelers, we were big on that. Depending on what back was in the game would determine what blitz was in the game because we knew certain backs were going to be trying to get out of the backfield and on a hot route. And mm-hmm. we knew certain backs were going to be in the backfield as a blocker. So depending on who was in the game, uh, and the formation that determined what blitz we were going to run. Yeah. I've always wondered about that because, you know, the running back room is so vastly different. You have your bruisers and you have your scat back, your smaller guys. And you wanted your, your, your smaller scat back type of guy out there on third down because you have your screens up, but he's supposed to be a little bit more ahead in the passing game. But on the flip side, what if there is a team that says the heck with that? Oh, we know what you're trying to do. You're trying to get him out on routes. We're just going to go zero every single time and just test you. And now you're going to, we're going to force you to keep him in or force that quarterback to make a perfect throw and make the ball come out of his hands as fast as possible. So there was always good and bad that you had to weigh, you know, the quarterbacks like Peyton when you now start talking about like bluff. Hey, bluff that guy, fake block him, but then you, I want you to slip him. That's when you get those real big explosives. So I'm hoping that the Broncos have that in their in the game plan for a guy like Jaleel McLaughlin because I think if you get this guy out there in space, he should be able to kind of really pull away from guys. Yeah, he doesn't have to be a super pass protector. He just needs to be adequate when the defense forces that to happen. He, and more than anything, he's got to be willing. You know, you, you gotta be willing to put your, your face and your body in there. Uh, in, in some ways, the inability to protect the quarterback on third down, uh, has ended probably more smaller running backs careers than their ability to run the football. Cause at some point, you're gonna be asked to do that. And if you're not willing, if you're not capable of being at least okay and average at that, it's gonna shorten your lifespan as a NFL runner. Uh, when Owen and I come back, uh, the Broncos, Kicks off tonight. Sean Payton, the Sean Payton era kicks off tonight in Phoenix. Uh, we'll dive into what we are anticipating to see tonight from the Broncos.